This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Shane Gillis was hired by Saturday Night Live just a few weeks ago, maybe even last week, I don't know. He's already been fired um, because of some past comments that he made. And I bring this up because this is one of the themes in the world that I have uh, actually become pretty fascinated with. Similarly to Netflix and streaming, um, I see this thing happening that's been happening for a little while. And, uh, you know, it concerns me. It worries me. So they hire this guy, Shane Gillis. You've never heard of him. I've never heard of him. Everybody outside of Shane Gillis's family has never heard of Shane Gillis. Comedian, one of 70,000 comics that are working in the country right now that are just trying to get by and eke out a living that nobody has ever heard of. Gets an audition on SNL, gets hired. Great for him, right? And uh, I come in today here and I see the headlines everywhere that he's been fired. Days, mere days after being hired as a cast member, Shane Gillis has been let go by uh, Saturday Night Live uh, according to every single article on the internet. I'm reading one of them. It doesn't matter from where. Decision follows the resurfacing of troubling videos last week showing the comedian using racist and homophobic language in his podcast, Matt and Shane's Secret Podcast. Now, I think if you guys have listened to me for a long time, you pretty much gather I'm not a, a racist person, uh, nor am I homophobic. I believe I'm the opposite of homophobic. Um... To, by the way, to to a degree where I've received a fair amount of criticism from homophobic people. Um, SNL executive producer Lorne Michaels said in a statement, quote, after talking with Shane Gillis, we have decided that he will not be joining SNL. We want SNL to have a variety of voices and points of view within the show. And we hired Shane on the strength of his talent as a comedian and his impressive audition for SNL. So what did he get fired for? He made comments on Matt and Shane's secret podcast, which I can assure you, no one has ever heard of. And this is the troubling part to me because we have a portion of the world, people, media, however you want to slice it, where their entire purpose in life is to just take down other people. Now, Please don't misunderstand. I am not defending what this guy said. I'm going to be honest with you. I listened and watched two minutes of what he said, probably out of God knows how many hours of content this guy has online. The two minutes that I watched was enough to get the gist of why people have an issue with what he said. What he said was not the greatest thing in the world. Uh, what he was saying would, would be definitely considered uh, offensive. To people that he was saying it against. The one clip I watched was about uh, Chinatown. Uh, him going to Chinatown to eat. And you could imagine all the, you know, think about all the worst possible racist things you can say about such a topic. Believe me, this guy touched them all. But my point is, is that nobody ever heard of this guy. 
I can assure you, nobody's ever listened to this podcast. When you watch the video clips that were uploaded, it would look like it was filmed in a basement in Bay Ridge. I mean, it just, the yellow light, it was horrific. Absolutely horrific. When I looked at the clip today, it had 20,000 views. I would guess that roughly 19,823 of those views came in the last 24 hours. I mean, I can't imagine anybody outside of Shane's family actually put time to listen to this. So how does it get brought to the forefront? Somebody goes and finds it and starts tweeting about it and thus ignites the fire. So I, I'm curious as to see who that person is. That person who found it is Seth Simmons. Seth Simmons, according to his Twitter profile, says, and I quote here, this is his Twitter profile, you don't get to freelance newsletter-based comedy labor journalists without making a few enemies. I don't even know what that means. So to me, this tells me that Seth Simmons works on his own. He has his own bloggy, newslettery thing. He doesn't work for any sort of publication. Nobody's ever heard of Seth Simmons. Seth Simmons has 6,335 followers. I can't tell you how many more people I'm speaking to right now than Seth Simmons. It's embarrassingly larger. And I keep, and I frame it this way, and I bring it up this way because, you know, that old term, the silent uh, majority, you know, they go, oh, the silent majority, the silent majority. I feel like there's a loud minority, you know, I feel like there's a loud minority in there. And this is what I find to be dangerous, that we have a few people that are just always looking to take down and attack and tackle other people. Please, I feel the need because the exact people I'm talking about are listening right now to point out once again that I'm not defending Shane and what he said uh, and him losing his job. I'm okay with it. It's fine with me. If NBC wants to fire him, it's fine with me. I wouldn't have said the things he said, even though I know he was joking. Um, but it's become this thing in the world where whenever anybody does anything, good or bad, there is a sector of people that try and take that person down. And then social media, the media are what we like. We put those people up on a pedestal for like, oh, look how great of a job they did. Again, I bring up the fact that Michael Jordan donated a million dollars to the Bahamas to help them out post Hurricane Dorian. And he was uh, exposed by people because he owns property in the Bahamas. Like to me, Seth Simmons, you know, it, like it's the, He's doing the same thing to Shane Gill. Like, are we attacking a man for donating a million dollars to help other people simply because he owns property? And the reason why I have a problem with all of this is because I think, again, in a world where we're trying to have people treat other people better, not make people feel less than, not have a minority take abuse simply because they're a minority somewhere. I think it's counterproductive to all of that, the way we're going about it today. That to me is the scary problem. If you want to get rid of 
homophobic behavior, if you want to get rid of racist behavior, I don't believe this is the way. I think this actually harms more than it helps, if that makes any sense. So Andrew Yang, who's running for president, right? You, we talked about him the other day. Guy was the best. Started the Democratic debate. His opening statement, the guy goes, I'm doing a giveaway on my website. <laughs> I mean, the greatest, the greatest debate opening I've ever heard of in my entire life. Does a give, organizes a giveaway. He's the best. He was also responsible for saying this statement later on in the Democratic debate. This was my favorite point of the night here. This is Andrew Yang. I am Asian, so I know a lot of doctors. <laughs> Just the best. Huge fan of Andrew Yang. So they go to Andrew Yang because he's in front of a lot of media and he's running for president and he's Taiwanese American. And he actually defended Shane Gillis. And he said... I think Shane Gillis should keep his job. Now, he has since said after Shane Gillis has been fired that he still believes he should have kept his job, but he respects NBC's decision to fire him. Um, and it all scares me because, like, I looked at what he said, and again, it's not the greatest, but I also think the guy was trying to be funny. And I think there should be a little... A little leeway in that. I really do. Because for me, and you can call me crazy here. You can call me racist and homophobic. But for me, I see a difference in somebody trying to make somebody laugh and somebody being angry and hateful. What Shane Gillis said was not great. Right? I don't believe anything that he said. Like, I don't think the same way. But... I can see the difference in what he said, trying to make people laugh, and what, say, um, what's a good example? Uh, who's the guy? Mel Gibson. Remember when Mel Gibson went, flew off the handle and was screaming at his wife, girlfriend, or whatever that was? And he was throwing around a lot. Like, that to me was hate-filled. That had hatred behind it. A lot of hatred. That to me was worrisome. That to me was lose your job worthy. I can tell the difference between that and a comedian trying to make somebody laugh. And by somebody, I literally mean one person because there couldn't possibly be more people listening to this guy's podcast before this moment. But yet we're talking about it because we have these people that seek this out and try and get their own personal gain to turn somebody's world around. And Shane Gillis is this is today's, you know, three days ago it was Michael Jordan and, and so on and so forth. And I just don't understand it. And again, I think it's counterproductive to what these people think that they are trying to do, which is make the world a better place, I guess. I just don't see it going down that way. I really, really don't. Even in the apologies, Shane Gillis said something. And when you look at his statement and how it's being reported upon, it follows this narrative. 
it leaves out like they they leave out important part like you know he throws an apology in there but like if you if you read it and you read what people are writing about it it's two completely different things I'll read you from this article. Gillis took to Twitter to comment on SNL's decision. Of course, I wanted an opportunity to prove myself at SNL, but I understand it would be too much of a distraction, he wrote. That's what's being reported. What he actually said was, and I quote, it feels ridiculous for comedians to be making serious public statements, but here we are. And he goes on to say, and I, by the way, I really agree with that, you know, as and it's something that most people can't understand, but somebody who comes in here on a now I don't I don't really dabble in race when it comes to my humor. You know, people call me more of a family friendly kind of a deal. I, I don't even it doesn't even matter to me. But when I come in here every day, I try and entertain you, make you laugh. I try and inform you secondly, play a couple tunes, you know, is the other objective. That's the goal. That's it. And when you try and do that, like a like a batter in Major League Baseball, you swing and you miss sometimes. And it's really embarrassing. And it's really bad. Sometimes jokes fall flat. You know, it's not easy to do. People that are the funniest people in the world, Jerry Seinfeld, uh, you know, you name it. Sebastian Meniscalco, they'll all go out and eat crow one night. They'll all go out with the same jokes that were hysterical one place and go somewhere else and get nothing. There's no rhyme or reason to what's actually funny. It's not an exact science. Some people are better at it than others, right? There are some really good poker players that make a ton of money, but for the most part, even the best poker player still loses a majority of the tournaments they play in. You know, it's an attempted humor. That's why it's called an attempt. (laughs) It's not a guarantee. And his statement says that, and I'll read it. It feels ridiculous for comedians to be making serious public statements, but here we are. I'm a comedian who is funny enough to get SNL. They can't be, that can't be taken away. Of course, I wanted an opportunity to prove myself at SNL, but I understand it would be too much of a distraction. I respect the decision they made. I'm honestly grateful for the opportunity. He says one more line, which to me tells me a lot about this person. And despite the fact that he said, really stupid things. They actually kind of respect him for this last line in this whole thing. To me, this tells me this guy is actually going to be a successful comedian in the future. The last line of his statement was, and I quote, I was always a mad TV guy anyway, end quote. Now to me, he took a shot at SNL on the last line. That means to me, he realizes the absurdity of all of this. That somebody with legitimately 6,000 followers was able to point him out and have this much power. And that's scary because for me, I'm a majority rules guy. If the whole entire world thinks this dude should be fired, then fire the guy. Right? If, If everybody thinks this guy is offensive, then fire the guy. But I feel like most people, and Andrew Yang, by the way, backs this up and he says most people realize This is a guy just trying to be funny who fell flat on his face and he wasn't funny and doesn't deserve to lose his job. Yet here he sits out of work. I feel like we're putting a lot of power into that vocal minority and that's scary. Michael on Twitter and the vocal minority you mentioned finds a lot of faux strength in the anonymity of the Internet as well. That is very, that's the other scary part. 
you know, used to be you put your name on something, you were responsible for it. But in the Internet, you got a lot of keyboard cowboys, right? A lot of typing tough guys. And they hide behind this anonymity. And yet they still have a they still wield a lot of power. And that is scary. And by the way, counterproductive to achieving the goal of, you know, accepting minority races, accepting uh, gay people, wherever you up and down the list, you know, I think it's counterproductive. That's why I have a problem with all of it. I think it's a real, real big problem. And it should be pointed out. So I'm pointing it out. Uh, Owen writing in, Ant did the same thing with Kevin Hart. You talked about this during the uh, Oscars. Yeah, it was the same, you know, it's the same thing. This like tiny, this tiny little, like, you know, again, like I feel like if we all find something offensive or wrong, you know, we can, that, you know, that, to me, the system in place was, hey, a majority of people don't like what you did. So, you know, consequences. Now it's like, hey, four people are trying to personally, uh, you know, further their own careers and objectives on the back of something that you did that was stupid. So consequences. And there's a difference there. And it's scary. It, it is scary to me, you know, because I believe in the hey, a majority of us think that what you did was wrong or stupid or dumb and consequences. I believe in that. That, I think, is, that's the way the world works for me. That, at the very heart of its nature, is democracy. Hey, I don't like the job you do, vote out. Hey, I like the job that you did here, vote you into this other, you know what I'm saying? Like, that was it. Kind of like, that's how we started it all. And democracy was a breakaway from... (laughs) The alternative, which was a small bunch of people telling everybody else how to be. Um, I think this is at the heart of a lot of issues that we actually have in the world right now. So it is it is kind of a super important deal. And by the way, I don't mean to pile on Seth Simmons on Twitter here who, you know, has less followers than EHM does. But, you know... I, I was just scrolling down his uh, feed as we were playing the song there and getting the ninth caller. And I see that um, apparently Bill Burr and Jim Jeffries were on David Spade's show last night and they were defending Shane Gillis. I don't know what they said or whatever the case was, but somebody tweeted that to this guy, Seth Simmons, to which he angrily replied to it. And it's like, you know, people just have a difference of opinion on it. You know, and like him showing anger towards people not, a, it just, it just all seems like a very, very dangerous game to me that we're playing right now with all of this and um, kind of needs to be brought to the forefront of attention because it's all under the mask and the guise of this is good. Like, I, yeah, obviously eliminating homophobia would be fantastic. I would be a massive fan of that. You know, you're obviously going to feel better about all of that. So it's under the disguise of that. When in, in actuality, I feel like, again, it's hurting it all in the long run. Um, I just got this other tweet from Toby. And it kind of 
adds to the conversation that we're having here. So Dave Chappelle put a new Netflix special out called Sticks and Stones. I have not watched it yet. Again, in my travels as a morning show host, and I'm just going, just mining all this stuff to give to you guys. I do see headlines and things, and I skip some, and I, you know, just for whatever reason. I haven't dug into the Chappelle stuff yet, but apparently I guess he uses a lot of, again, sticks and stones may break my bones. He says of, quote unquote, a lot of offensive things. I heard somebody defend him saying that he's using it all as an example. Therefore, you know, it's not he's not saying it. He's using it as an example, so on and so forth. It's not really all that offensive. But everything that I read from what I feel like, again, is this loud minority of people, your quote unquote critics, right? Your quote unquote blog community, the, you know, these people who feel like they're taking the the world's best interests on their backs. They're the ones that are saying how horrible and horrific this special is. So uh, Rotten Tomatoes, right, is the website where people can vote and, you know, have their say and you get a rotten rating on what it is. And at some point in the history of Rotten Tomatoes, they they had a tomato meter and then an audience score. So they have like a here's what we think and here's what all of you think. And the critics consensus on Dave Chappelle's latest comedy special comedy emphasizing comedy here on Sticks and Stones was, and I quote, critics consensus, edgy but empty. Sticks and Stones won't break any bones, but it won't elicit many laughs either. And the tomato meter that it got from the Rotten Tomato people was 31%. Obviously not a good score. Right next to it is the audience score, in which more than 35,000 people voted on how they feel about the special and it got a score of 99%, which is, I believe, the highest you can get on Rotten Tomatoes. There is no 100%. And by the way, just to put a little bow on this case in point, I can draw I can draw a line between Seth Simmons and, again, this loud minority to, like, the NRA. Like, I've talked about this on the show before. Friends of mine who own guns are, like, have no issue with, like, universal background checks and health thing, mental health thing. Like, they have no problem with any of this. I look at every single poll I've ever seen. Gun owners, the majority of them are like, yeah, whatever. Universal background checks, sure. Like all this stuff. And we still can't get universal background checks across. Because there's a hugely vocal minority that, you know. I'm not talking about taking away guns. and I'm just talking about just throwing some things in place to, you know, make gun owning a little bit more responsible and all that. You can't get it done. I feel like it's the same thing, you know, it's just, I don't know. And also this urgency to get these things done now, like changing people's feelings towards one another takes time and love and consideration and all that stuff. You can't fix it overnight on Twitter yet. There is this urgency and by the way, did you also know that like SNL, here's a, here's the kicker that was really funny to me. SNL apologized for not knowing that these videos existed. <laughs> That's hysterical. Nobody knew these videos existed because you literally had to make it your day's work that day to find them. 
because nobody listened to this garbage. It was done in a basement in Diker Heights. What did I say before? Bay Ridge? Wherever. Clearly, it was somewhere in Brooklyn or the Bronx. It was not in Manhattan. Absolutely not. That's not a Manhattan basement right there. 